0: So just to get started, um, I don't know about you, but I'm a a classroom school teacher. And May is probably the worst time to be a teacher because they just are not dialed in. The weather's getting nice. And I think both of us are sort of in the same place. We'd rather be someplace else. Um, And I've had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad week. Um, so it's been kind of like that. I got DTE Energy wants to come out and move my gas meter, which has created a whole bunch of other things. And so I've just been kind of, I don't know, circling that feeling. Anybody else ever do that when you have bad things pile up and you just focus on them and you're looking for escape and, you know, you turn on the news, (laughs) you got the national news, you got the world news, you got your Domestic news, you got your local news, and you turn the news off. Um, if you have hobbies, uh, I remember once upon a time, a long time ago, I had uh, uh, politics were kind of a hobby. <laughs> Not anymore. We, we just move along. Uh, you're looking at today's culture, <sighs> crime. It's like, oh, my goodness, uh, even sports. I was looking at the Detroit Red Wings were having the draft lottery, and I'm going, this is the year we're going to get, no, that didn't happen either. Chicago got the first pick, and Tiger baseball. And I was looking for some escapism. I started watching a show, and uh, it's about sports auctions. And they were talking about this big thing, this uh, guy that ran the sports auction, this basketball card called the LeBron Triple Logoman card. Has anybody ever heard of that? Well, that's good. So I can be the expert here. And this is a rare basketball card. Apparently, they only made five Logo Man cards, and they only made one of these. And it was LeBron James, who's a basketball star, and pieces of his NBA jersey from each championship he won. He won three championships. And so these guys got together, and they bought a box of cards and sat down to pull these cards. And uh, I think their box was like $15,000 to pull the boxes. And of course they didn't get the box. So the whole show they're leading up to uh, discovering this Triple Logo Man card. And three guys bought a box and they found it. And so they brought it to the auctioneer to sell it. And the auctioneer gave them a million dollars cash up front for the card. And they put it in the case, gave it to them. It sold at auction for $2.5 million. And I just so happen not to have it right here, but this is about the size of it. Um, $2.4 million for this. I will take 2.3 for this one if anybody has any endeavor. But you know, when I was a kid, we used to pick uh, baseball card packs and our highlight was if we got a Detroit Tiger. For whatever reason, they were filled with Yankees and Dodgers and Red Sox and Reds and who cares about them? We wanted the Detroit Tigers. I had a friend of mine that got me into basketball cards later and we did that where we pulled a box and we uh, sat down and opened a whole box and the card that we were looking for was this 1989 uh, Pistons championship card, which at the time was selling for $50. So we put that box and we opened it, and went through that whole box and Didn't come up with one. Five years later, uh, I happened to get a pack of cards from a friend of mine, and lo and behold, right on top was this card. So I bought the plastic, put it in the plastic, ready for my $50 card there, and then I saw the card so it was worth (laughs) $3.25. So I had a bad week, and nothing was helping. The world is upside down, up is down, night is day. Uh, the world is unsettled, volatile, frightening, violent. It's like being on an open sea in the middle of a storm. All is lost. Then I remember Jesus is in my boat. And I turn to him, even if you sleep and wake up, Lord, don't you care if I die? And he got up and said, peace, be still. And so I want this message to be kind of as a gentle reminder to us. To remember Jesus is in our boat and what that means. So we're in John 14, beginning in verse 1. And the headline above there, the the chapter title there says, Jesus comforts his disciples. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you uh, that I'm not, I just lost my place. Would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. And Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you know you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you for a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would anoint it, that you'd open our hearts to receive from you today, that you'd help me to control the tongue and speak eloquently, and that I would be faithful to what you have given, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Um, so a gentle reminder, what does that have to do? With my verses, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we're gonna take a little walk through this uh, verse and focus on what is meant here. Jesus is the truth. What does that mean? Well, in today's world, you know, what is truth? Oprah talked about her truth, my truth, your truth, everybody's truth. It's like Dr. Pepper, you know, wouldn't you like to have your own truth too? There's all different kinds of religions. All you need is love. Um, There's a story a man tells about how he is uh, pursuing his truth in his religion. He's not a fanatic or anything. He's spiritual. He can't remember the last time that he went to church, but he knows how he feels inside. (laughs) What could be wrong with that? Why not worship God in our own particular way? Why not embrace our own truth and let somebody else embrace their other truth? My brother used to get mad at me when I would talk about how uh, we would have conversations with people that have other religions, and we would share with them the gospel. And he'd go, why would you do that? They got their own religion, leave them alone. Well, because the gospel is good news, and Jesus tells us to do what? What? to go into all the world and preach the good news, preach the gospel to every creature. And the most important reason why is because the devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus says, he's speaking to religious people, religious Pharisees at this time, the religious leaders, he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you wanna carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil is a liar. John 10 verse 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. Deceit, the act of representing as true, that which is known to be false. To deceive is to ensnare, to make a trap, to make a person believe what is not true. To con is to swindle by first gaining confidence and trust. And see, what happens is the devil uses a little bit of truth, a little bit of your truth, a little bit of faith and spirituality, and he dresses it up. But in the end is emptiness uh, and destruction. A couple, th- couple of people, I just wanted to share a couple of names here. Uh, Marshall Applewhite, I don't know if you remember this name or not. Uh, he was the leader of Heaven's Gate. Uh, 39 people followed uh, Marshall Applewhite by committing suicide in California. Largest number of uh, mass suicide uh, in, the, in the country. Uh, he was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Jim Jones was an ordained minister. David Koresh had converted as a Southern Baptist and uh, had had claimed to be born again. Charles Taze Russell started as a Congregationalist and Joseph Smith um, started uh, with access with the Methodist Church or influenced by the Methodist Church. These are people that led cults that led people into a form of religion uh, but denying the power therein, and in the end, there is destruction. The devil is a liar, seeking to whom he may, may devour. Jesus is the truth. After he had been scourged and he stood before Pilate, and he, he was being interviewed by Pilate, and Pilate couldn't find anything wrong in him, he was looking for uh, an excuse, some reason to let him go, Jesus started talking about bearing witness to the truth. And Pilate perplexed and puzzled is, what is truth? And you know, some people won't know truth even when it's standing right in front of them. Jesus is truth. Jesus claimed to be truth. In John chapter 8, verses 31 through, um, actually you can write these down if you want. Jesus claims to be truth, John chapter 8, verses 31, 32, 38, 36. Um, this is the chapter where he gets into the conversation with them about um, their, the devil being uh, their father. the father of lies. And he's talking to, his, to the, uh, the people, and he says that uh, you should know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Um, secondly, uh, Jesus is the truth the impact of his life, Um, he was without sin. In that same chapter, chapter eight, he talks about who you hear can accuse me or prove me guilty of sin. Um, And if Jesus' words aren't enough, uh, there's his friends, Peter, John, Paul, Judas, Pilate, the thief, and the centurion, all bearing witness that there is no uh, guile, no sin, within Jesus, Um, I got those scriptures, but I don't wanna bog you down with them. Um, Third is the authority of his teaching. Well, I'll just give you like the thief on the cross. You know, how can you, this man has done nothing wrong. Don't you fear God in the centurion? Surely this man is the son of God. Um, The authority of Jesus' teaching, Jesus taught differently Than the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of their day in Matthew chapter 7 verses 28 and 29 He taught as one who had authority. So uh, Jesus taught with his own authority Um, In John chapter 6 verses 60 through 69 uh, and speaking to the disciples um, And that's a great passage where uh, he starts talking about the bread of life discourse about how you need to eat his flesh and drink his blood and the people that are following, that are, they're that hearing this saying, this is a hard, hard saying who can receive it, who can, who can take. It? And they start to, to leave. And then even some of his followers start leaving. And so Jesus turns to the 12 and says, you're not going to leave uh, me as well. Are you? And Peter speaks up, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. There is authority in Jesus. The impact of his life demonstrates that he is, Uh, the truth. Not only did he claim it, but he was without sin. He had authority. Uh, He did miracles. Um, John chapter 10, verse 38, this is where um, uh, you can believe the miracles. Um, Well, now I just forgot that verse. John chapter three, verse two is Nicodemus where um, Nicodemus uh, looks up and says, no one can do the works unless the father was with them, unless God was with them. Um, So, Jesus' claim, the impact of his life, he was without sin, the authority of his teaching, miracles, uh, his fulfillment of prophecy. This is one that I always always like. If you want to see who Jesus is and look for the divinity of Christ, you look at his teaching, uh, his miracles, and the fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, He he fulfilled over 300 uh, Old Testament prophecies in his lifetime. And the wonderful thing about that is that they are Old Testament prophecies. Uh, that means that they were predicted in the Old Testament. Um, and we have this wonderful thing called the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the, New Test- of the Old Testament. And that was completed 250 years before Jesus was born. So we know at least 250 years before Jesus was born, the Old Testament was complete with the prophecies uh, about his life, death, and resurrection. Uh, many of his Messianic prophecies, he fulfilled 33. In one day some prophecies he felt that were beyond his control. His birth, the time and place, Micah 5:2, Daniel 9:25, uh, that he would be betrayed, Psalm 41.9. the manner of his death, Psalm 22, verse 16, that they would pierce his hands and feet. The wonderful thing about that passage is that they, uh, it, it proclaims Jesus' manner of death before crucifixion was invented. Um, and then his burial, that he be buried in a rich man's tomb, and Isaiah fifty-three verse nine. Um, this is from uh, Josh McDowell's evidence that demands a verdict. But he says that you take eight of the major prophecies, uh, that uh, eight of the major messianic prophecies that Jesus fulfilled: his place and time of birth, manner of his death, um, you know, being betrayed for uh, silver pieces for 30 pieces of silver um, and just put eight of those together, the chances of one man uh, fulfilling all those prophecies in a single lifetime is one to 10 in the 17th power. And he put for those math experts like me need another visual, is like taking the entire state of Texas, taking one silver dollar, putting a mark on it and putting it randomly in Texas and fill in the whole state of Texas up to two feet in silver dollars, and then sending somebody out there to pick it, see his chances to pick it up. That's how much chance there is to fulfill just the eight major messianic prophecies. Jesus fulfilled over 300 in his lifetime. Jesus is the truth, the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, verse 14 and verse 20. Paul tells us that uh, the resurrection, now, this is my words, the resurrection is the hinge that Christianity swings on. Because Paul says that if the resurrection did not happen, then we are to be pitied amongst all men. There's no point to Christianity without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For 2,000 years, the church has proclaimed an empty tomb. Why? Because it is true. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He came to live, to die, and to rise again to save you and I from our sins. Skeptics. There are many people who were skeptical of Jesus who decided to do some research and did investigations to disprove the claims of the gospel and the claims of Jesus. And so they sought out to investigate them. One was an investigative uh, lawyer by the name of Frank Morrison. The conclusion of his investigation was a book called Who Moved the Stone, which was a landmark uh, book in the field of apologetics. Um, Secondly, Josh McDowell, the result of his investigation was evidence that demands a verdict, volume one and volume two. And then the most current was Lee Strobel, who was a newspaper reporter, sought out to investigate the claims of Jesus The result of his investigation was the case for Christ. All three of these men that were skeptics were converted to Christianity and became uh, uh, pillars in the full field of apologetics, defending the faith. Hebrews 11.6 says that God is rewarder of those who diligently seek him because Jesus is the truth and he stands up to investigation. In him was life and that life is the light of men, and that light illuminates. John 1, verse 4, it shines in the darkness. If you are seeking light, you will find it. Acts 9, 8, Paul, when uh, he was converted, uh, he met Jesus on, on the road to Damascus, and he was knocked off his, I like to say knocked off his high horse, and then he was blind. He had to be led back to town. And when Ananias came to pray for him, um, it was like scales fell off his his eyes and he could see because he encountered Jesus. On the road to Emmaus, after the resurrection, two of his disciples were on the road to Emmaus leaving Jerusalem, getting out of town. And Jesus showed up and started walking with them. And he was talking to them about uh, they were, he says, what are you talking about? And he, they go, are you a stranger? You don't know what happened? We're talking about Jesus, who we thought was the Messiah. And he was crucified. And now we don't know what to think. And then uh, Jesus starts talking to them and opening the scriptures about him. And they stop for, for, for dinner. And as they're there, Jesus breaks bread. And then he vanishes. And the, and the disciples say, were not our hearts burning within us, why he talked with us and opened the scriptures. Jesus is the truth. He demonstrated it by his claims and by who he is and by his life and his resurrection. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Second point Jesus is the way. Now, I love how uh, Jesus talks about people who are sinners and unbelievers. He refers to them as lost and blind. We wanna bring lost people to Christ. We wanna show them the way, correct? But is this idea of uh, saying that Jesus is the way, is this a sense of arrogance with us? Aren't there many religions so why not many paths to, the, to enlightenment? There was this commercial, it was years ago, and I love this commercial, it was a Snickers bar commercial. And it was a football coach getting ready with his team before a big game, and he's getting ready to pray. And he says, well, it's come down to us that we have a little bit of political correctness now that we have to take care of. And so he brings out the priest, and he blesses it and says a prayer. And he says, well, wait, 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 guys, just hold on a minute. And the Lutheran minister comes out and he says a prayer. And he says, hold up just a minute. Then they bring in a Jewish rabbi, and he starts to say a prayer. And then they bring in an Indian uh, wise man or whatever, and he says a prayer. Then they bring in a Muslim um, iman. Then they bring in a uh, Buddhist monk. And the converser goes, You're not going anywhere for a while? <laughs> Maybe they'll Snickers bar. And it's like, why not? Why are there not... Um, All these other ways. Why are Christians so arrogant that we say and we proclaim that ours is the only way? I didn't proclaim it. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says what? He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then if you didn't get what he was meaning, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me so it's not us saying it it's not wouldn't it be easier if everybody could come sometimes you think that way maybe but then what's the whole point of the cross why would Jesus go through that A man's driving through town and he he comes to a fork in the road and he stops and he sees a guy along the road and he says, says to the stranger, he says, which way should I go? Should I go right or should I go to the left? And the stranger says, he goes, go to the left. And he looks at it and he goes, is that the best way? And the stranger quickly answered. He says, it's the only way. He says, if you follow the other turning, it'll bring you right back to here. You can like it or not like it, but Jesus says that he's the only way. If you want to come into the Father, if you want salvation, Jesus is the only way. And it's pointed out in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is full of uh, typology that points to Jesus. Uh, the Old Testament sacrificial system. I had a class a long time ago on typology, and we broke down um, everything from the gate to the brazen altar to the um, the Holy of Holies were in, inside the Holy of Holies was the altar of the incense and the um, table of showbread and the uh, uh, and the, uh, the lampstand. And then behind, the, uh, then there was a veil that separated the Holy of Holies. And inside the Holy of Holies uh, was the Ark of the Covenant before Indiana Jones got a hold of it. Um, but the Ark of the Covenant represented God's throne. And, you know, a little bit of typology here, there's only one entrance into the gate, it's called the East Gate. And you're met at the gate by the brazen altar or the bronze altar. And that was the altar of sacrifice. And for the majority of Jews, that was their relationship with God. They would go into the tabernacle, they would bring their sacrifice, they would slaughter the sacrifice, they would shed its blood, and then they move on to the next one. That was their act of worship. It was the priest who would enter the holy place and would minister upon the Lord and feast on the showbread, and make sure the altar of incense was burning. Uh, but God's throne was separated by the veil, of the, ta- uh, the veil of the tabernacle. And only the high priest would enter that place and only once a year and only with the blood of the atonement on the day of atonement, when he brought it to sprinkle on the, on the mercy seat for, uh, for the people, a little bit of old Testament theology. I'm sorry, a little much, but, All of that points to Jesus. There's one way. And what's right at the gate? The cross, the altar of sacrifice, where the lamb of God shed his blood for us. And we can only go into the holy place by the blood of the lamb. And when Jesus died uh, on the day of his crucifixion on Golgotha, when he died, when he gave up uh, uh, his spirit, the veil of the tabernacle was torn from top to bottom which represented there is now easy access. And in the book of Hebrews, uh, it says now we can enter into the holy place by the blood of the covenant. We have that, uh, that privilege, that opportunity. Blood is a big deal in the Old Testament. When Adam and Eve sinned um, and he, they were hiding from God, God clothed them with skins. Why with skins? Because Leviticus tells us Life is in, is in the blood. So blood had to be shed because of their sin, their covering. Our atonement is God's covering for us. Jesus, as a, a, a lamb as a substitute, is in uh, as early as Abraham and Isaac when uh, God asked Ab- did you see Abraham, the movie Abraham? Oh, that was a powerful movie. Um, where uh, he went to, to, shed, to, to sacrifice Isaac. And Abraham told Isaac that God Himself would provide a lamb. And sure enough, when God saw that He wasn't going to hold back, He provided a ram in the thicket that uh, took the place of Isaac uh, and was sacrificed for him. The Passover lamb: uh, each Jew was to have a, a, a lamb on the day of Passover, uh, and they were to slaughter it and sprinkle the, day, the, the blood on their doorposts, um, and the death angel would pass over uh, them. Even in the in uh, Uh, During the Exodus, uh, Jesus talked about the bronze serpent being held up in John chapter 3, verse 14. Just as Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, that story real quickly is um, they were disobedient to God, and he sent vipers, and people that would look at the bronze serpent would be healed. Those who didn't weren't. And so the idea of choosing to look upon uh, the serpent was, uh, was a type in the Old Testament. In Acts chapter 4, see if I can get it. Sorry. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Uh, The writer in Acts, Luke, spells it out. I can't see any clearer than that. There is no other name. No Muhammad, no Confucius, no Buddha, um, no David Koresh, no Jim Jones, um, no Donald Trump, no, uh, uh, what's the other guy's name, Um, Joe Biden. Um, Nobody but Jesus is going to save us from our sin. You can take that to the bank. Ephesians 2.8 says we are saved by grace, not by works. It is through revelation. What is the revelation? The revelation is that Jesus is the way. Matthew 7, verses 13 through 15 tells us to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Jesus says that. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and few find it. Jesus is the way. third. How am I doing on time? I'm almost done. That's one finger. (laughs) Jesus is the life. He also refers to sinners as helpless, pitiful, naked, sick, hopeless. Jesus is the life. John chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, of course, when he comes upon Lazarus and Mary, Martha and Mary meet him, Martha comes out, and he says, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. Um, and then they have a conversation about um, the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die. And then he asks her, do you believe this? John 1, verses 4 through 5, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. I discovered an interesting thing. I won't go too much on this, but um, dealing with... Uh, uh, life begins at conception does anybody know this the spark of life does anybody know that google it look it up um uh, the university of chicago i believe it was did a study 2014 or 16 and they videotape on it the spark of um moving on sorry um jesus is the life giver in him was life that he was able to give uh, to the widow's son in Luke chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. To Jairus' daughter, little girl, arise, Matthew 9, verses 18 through 26. To Lazarus himself, Lazarus, come forth, John 11, verse 25. And then, of course, Jesus himself rose from the dead. And then John chapter 20, verses 27 and 28, Thomas meets him and says, my Lord and my God. And I love that verse because Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared the first time And he was all doubting Thomas. He's all, well, I saw him die. So unless I see the hand, the prints, the the imprints in his hands, the nail prints in his hands and his feet, I will not believe. And Jesus comes and Thomas falls down and says, my Lord, my God, that's all he needed. But he said, no, put put your fingers in my hand, put your hand in my side, be no longer unbelieving, but believe he is the life giver. Secondly, he gives abundant life to us. John chapter 10, verse 10. uh, The thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy but I have come to give you life, and that abundantly. Christians have a full, abundant life filled with love, agape love, joy, peace, the peace that passes all understanding, patience, kindness, gentleness. It's a saving life. Uh, We are a new creation. All our sins have passed away. Everything has become new. We are sanctified, we are continually being washed in the blood of Jesus um, to become more like him. And he walks with us. He is in our boat, no matter what uh, uh, difficulties, what struggles, what storms in life we're facing, we are not facing them alone, church. That is something that we need to hold on to and take uh, uh, joy in. And he promises us eternal life, John chapter 3, verse 16. Um, And there's a lot of that where we do not grieve like those who have no hope. We have a hope uh, and a future that this life is not all there is that there will come a day. There'll be no more uh, tear, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death uh, for all things have passed away. There's a reminder is for you uh, and I to know the truth, come and know Jesus, know his word, know what it is that we believe and why we believe it. Secondly, to proclaim the way. Don't be shy. Don't be uh, uh, timid about proclaiming that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Now more than ever, uh, I was just at, uh, what was the store? Five Below. And there's a table full of books on witchcraft and the occult and all this stuff for under $2. Who's going to buy that stuff? This next generation that's lost this next generation that's blind, this next generation that's deceived, that's listening to media, that's listening to everything around us. Proclaim the way boldly. Jesus is the way. And share the life. There is a reason that we are Christians, because Jesus walks with us. I might have my $3.25 card, but I have a faith that's worth more than gold. And that's faith in Christ. Jesus, who died for my sins, so that I could believe in him and be born again, my sins have been washed away and forgiven, that I have been redeemed, and he rose from the dead to give me hope and life life abundantly. Father, I just thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that it would be an encouragement, that we would realize that we don't have to live by our feelings, we can walk by faith, and that that faith is worth more than anything this world has to offer. And if we feel like we're struggling in an upside-down world, Lord, let's remember that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that you would uh, say to the winds and the waves, peace be still, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.